Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. I'm your host, James Orr. And I'm your co-host, Robert Borland. We're back with some more Elk Nut action. We went ahead and cut the two-hour, was it, three-hour interview with the Elk Nut in half. And we are bringing you the second half of the Palmadel Elk Nut interview. It should be coming into opening day for some of you folks in one weekend. Hopefully we're... Uh, already into the bugling bulls by all the great stuff we just learned from paul medell that's right good luck guys enjoy the listen you know compound guys have that luxury yeah. of drawing when you know something's coming you don't have that speaking of and, that paul um i've had a lot of issues calling in bulls and getting shots at them because you're so used to being able to draw back when they go behind a tree or now with the mm-hmm. let off you know they can be 80 yards out and you can hold it forever yeah good point (laughs) what are your do you have any tricks that sounds like you're hunting some thicker country and i know we've talked to joel turner and and he'll Mm -hmm. draw and let him spook a little bit and then bark to stop him um do you have any tricks of you know yeah making it happen when they get into that's because that's 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 a really good question (laughs) yeah that's exactly why he does it because yeah we've killed uh, quite a few bulls over the years and i call it a nervous grunt and the reason i call it a nervous or popping grunt it, it's really no difference than saying i bark or give a nervous grunt but the reason I, I i phrase it differently is because i try not to give people the wrong impression a lot of times when a hunter thinks of the word or hears the word bark it's like oh everything's going to run away the other direction so i try to stay away from saying it's a nervous bark is it correct? Oh, yeah, it really is. But when you say a nervous grunt, that seems to soften the situation and it still has the same result. And the reason I say a nervous grunt is because when a bull comes in, you guys have probably had elk come in. Whether it's a cow, calf, herd bull, it doesn't matter. They can all make that sound. And when they get to a certain spot and they think they should see you or they should see the elk that they've heard that brought him to that location, or there was a movement and they can't identify it, you'll hear him kind of give the one note, and they just stand right there staring. You see, that's a nervous grunt. You see, a bark in reality is a mountainside clearing event. When it's a true bark, elk do not stand there and wait for something to happen. They are out of there, and they'll continue to bark as they run, alerting the rest of the crew or any other elk in the area that there's a possible threat or danger there. They don't stick around. They are out of there, and you can do all the calling you want. You're not stopping them. You see, a nervous grunt is inquisitive. The reason an elk gets to that station or to that point and feels he should see something or or He saw something and can't identify it. He saw movement in the brush. He's asking for an identification. He's asking for a visual or she. That's what they're doing. So that's why I like separating the two terms. So can you give us an example, if you have your read, of a nervous grunt and then the the hill-clearing bark for us? Can you give us those two? Well, the bark isn't much difference. It's repetitive. You see, as they're leaving, see, a nervous grunt is single note. That's it. You get one note. And they'll sit there and wait. And if they don't receive another satisfying response, you know, or a visual of, or something happening that's to calm them down, they'll give it again. And if they may give it in 10 seconds, they may give it in 30 seconds. I've had bulls stay there and cows alike that would give that thing over 20 times every few seconds and just stand there staring. Mm-hmm. But I've, they're not I've, running. They're not doing anything. 
I've used it in thick cover where mm. I seen the bulls before they seen me mm. and I gave them the, the, the nervous grunt and I've had them stop, mm-hmm. look around and then start seeking me, start yeah. looking for me. That's exactly the same thing that we've experienced over the years. And that one sound, if I was to use my mouth read, Robert, it would be like this. That's the sound right there. And so I use my mouth read through the bugle, and I do the same thing, you know, if I and I'm doing it with my voice. When I did it the first time, I kind of went, is anything like that? That's all it requires. You see, because elk come in different ages. And, you know, they don't all sound the same. And so it's just sound. It's the tone you're looking for that's the correct response, whether and, the elk is in a year and a half or eight years old. And correct me if I'm wrong, that sound alone has been one of the deadliest sounds that the elk nut crews use. Is that? <laughs> I bet you over 40 bulls have died by that one sound and probably a lot more than that. I can't even imagine how many I've stopped. And like yourself, I have, I've, ha- I've actually jumped bulls out of their bed that I had no idea they were there. I didn't even know it. As I'm moving through and I'm following some fresh tracks, thinking I'm going to get to an area where I can start calling because I'm not there yet. Well, I'm there and I didn't realize it. You know, it's just hunting. There's no guarantees in this thick stuff sometimes. And I've had bulls jump up and see the flash of their horns not even 20 yards in front of me and dash around. And because I walk with a reed in my mouth, in most cases, when I'm in hunting situations like that, I mean, immediately, that's how I try to stop them. Because most of the time they run, they don't know why they, what they even saw or heard. They have no idea. It's just they spooked or something there that should have been there. It wasn't there a minute ago. And they take off. They just have that, 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 that survival part of them that they must flight, you know, when they're in doubt. And boy, you just hit them with that. And immediately it's like, oh, oh, wait, it, wait, wait, wait. There was an, there was, it's another elk right there. It's, it's so almost calming second, to them, right? Yes. They second guess themselves because you're asking them now for a visual or for a satisfying response. And I've had bulls turn around where I could see hardly very little of them, if anything, and walk right back out and look over like, where is this elk? It's right there. And arrow's already on its way because it's usually a very close encounter. We're not doing this 100 yards away. I mean, these right. are – you know, right on top of you. And so it's things like that. When you start understanding the elk language and knowing what to use, I'm not saying a cow call wouldn't stop them, but I doubt seriously it would bring them right back. I really do. But you got to use it fast, right? It's a timing. Oh yeah. You You don't wait for them to run, run away. (laughs) No, it's they're right there and it just freezes them. You know, it it, it reminds me when we uh, took a really nice bull, Uh, Clayton was the shooter and it was the last day of the season. Paul and I had already killed the bull. And so Clayton hadn't taken one yet. And so, and don't think so the elk nut guys, we just run out there and we kill elk every time we go out there. This was the last day and Clayton hadn't gotten. So we told him, we're going to go with you. And so he goes, okay, I have the spot. He's shooting. Uh, I'm trying to think what that recurve was. He was shooting. I can't even remember. Uh, but anyway, he, I know he was shooting the uh, the head on it. He shoots cedar arrows, cedar arrows too, and he was shooting the uh, Magnus, Magnus Stinger. Actually, it was the buzz cut. It was the one with the serrated edge on it. And so, for whatever that's worth. But I mean, you know, it's not. I always like to know different heads that people are shooting with their gear. It just seems yeah. to be interesting. And compare it with what I shoot. I shot the Wenzel Woodsman's, the Elites. And uh, I, I shot uh, I shot one with a silver flame broadhead. Uh, we've shot him with Eskimos. What's that? And why do you you like the three blades then? 
Well, yeah, three or four blades, and 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 because I like a bigger wound channel, mm-hmm. and so uh, some of the bulls that we've taken in the past with two blades just don't bleed very much for us. They kill the elk. We found every one of them, but. but in, in most cases, there's just no blood on the ground. And so because we hunt a lot of country like, like you guys do at times, that the very thick stuff, you don't see the ground very much. So we need that blood. We need that splatter. We need it on things, on the brush, because the ground is so littered with crap and you don't even see it. It's hard to pick up a footprint at anything, any kind yeah. of track. And so you need the blood to be coming out. And we noticed that just over the years of taking a lot of elk, that multiple bladed heads – uh, seem to do the trick for us, and and so you know, and and this year we're going to be shooting the snuffer, the great big one, the old oh, Rod wow. Rothart snuffer. Yeah, that's what we're both shooting. We've been practicing diligently with that, and uh, that's that's it. And <laughs> Paul's so going to be shooting the longbow. What's and you that? you shoot about fifty five pounds, you said. And uh, yes, what I does your son shoot? He's shooting a little bit more. He's shooting the 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 uh, Sapphire Hawk by Ernie McKenzie out of Montana. He built that bow for us, and that one is fifty nine pounds at twenty seven inch, and Paul pulls twenty eight. So okay. Paul's actually shooting a little over sixty, and you really can't see that much in the penetration difference when we're shooting side by side in the same target. It's so what, close. What spine of cedar shafts are you guys shooting? Well, Paul's shooting cedar. I'm not. Paul's okay. shooting the sixty sixty five pound. Uh, 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 shafts, and I'm shooting the Beeman Classics okay. with a 75 grain brass insert and uh-huh. 150 grain head. So I have 225 grains up front. Mm-hmm. My total error weight is 525, and okay. and so is Paul's. But they're both right at 525 grains, and nice. and we've blown right through elk with this with with the same weighted arrow with a little bit of weight up front. Now his doesn't have the weight up front. And and so he's shooting the 150 grain glue on 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 his, and, and it'll do fine. I mean, we we've taken elk with less weight than that out of that uh, out of that sim- similar setup. So, but not with that bow. Paul's killed all his elk with traditional gear with the recurve, and so I had two longbows. So we decided we're both going to shoot hunt with the longbows this year, <laughs> and and that's you know. That's just kind of, and he's really into it. He's, he's, and I know what's going to happen. I, I can see us, and I mean this, I'm serious as a heart attack. We'll, we will probably end up shooting these long bows for years to come. Yeah. We have such, we have missed it so much. And I, and you know what? It's because of elk nut outdoors. Sometimes it's a blessing and sometimes it's a curse. And, and the reason I say that is we, we really love shooting the trad gear in the past, but, it seems like as Elk Nut Outdoors grows and, and it, it, it demands more of my time and attention and we just don't have as much time to dedicate, we hadn't, to shooting traditional. For me, I have to shoot traditional every single day. If I miss one or two days, you would think I hadn't picked up a bow for months. I get so rusty. I'm horrible. But when I stay on it, man, I feel good. My confidence up. I'm deadly to th- 35 yards i feel real confident but i miss a day and i'm missing the target i'm yeah. serious i mean i'm left i'm right and i'm like what the? and it's just like i'm not dialed in is that so to you guys? yeah <laughs> so wow. getting back to those those close-in calls like okay. uh, robert had said I, I had seven bulls called into me this year into inside of 10 yards wow and i just couldn't figure out when to draw and when I, whenever I decided he wasn't looking and I would draw, he would catch me and 
swap ins and be gone as fast as he came in. Um, what I mean is it just a matter of patience? Is there I mean, what do you do when well, they're right? That and see you. I would never try to move. And when they if a bull's turned away and cannot see you, he's not going to see you draw. Right. He's not going to do it. It's like the story I was saying. And again, I get off track. This we went to help Clayton. Paul's the caller. Paul's going through the threat. You've seen it in, in Worse Than Wolves, Volume 4. We, we are going through the threat situation. We got out there, location bugle. Bam, we have three bulls hit us. And I mean, they are screaming. No question there's a hot cow in the group right after daylight. We were very fortunate to find out last quick. Last day, last day, <laughs> last of, day of the season. So Paul's the caller. I'm going to stick with Clayton. Clayton doesn't have very many kills at all. And so I, one of us needs to be there. And I think that's real important when you're with a newer hunter. You should have somebody there with some experience so they know when to draw, when not to draw, when to not to move, you know, especially with a recurve. So Paul goes back over the ledge. He's just over the side of the hill from us. He's not even 30 yards from us. <clears throat> he gets over there, and he is raking, and he's going through the threat where this bull is just harassing this cow and pushing her and moving. I mean, he is really living it up. You've never heard anybody give the threat sequence until you hear Paul do it. I don't <laughs> even do it half of what he does. But you should see the elk he calls him with this thing. You would think over calling, over counter, over the counter, you ought to hear him. But <laughs> the, it's all it's all according to the situation and the encounter. This one calls for that. He is going nuts down there. It sounded like there was 20 elk there instead of just him by himself. I'm not kidding you. And he is going through, and this bull is screaming as he's running to us. And me and Clayton are sitting there. We're, we're in a burn. The lodge bulls have burned. And this bull is coming, and we see him coming at 60 yards. Clayton kneels down. I get right behind him. I have my bugle. I have my reed in my mouth. And as this bull's coming in, I see him coming on a frontal right at us. And I'm whispering to Clayton. I am right on his shoulder. I said, if that bull gets too close, don't move. Wait till he turns. I'll stop him once he turns. And so, I mean, I'm telling this. I've seen this situation before. And this bull comes, comes, comes. He comes to maybe 15 yards. He's looking right past us. He knows he should be seeing something, but Paul's right over the edge. He wants to walk to that edge, but he's not. And we are sitting. There's nowhere to hide. We're just sitting next to these lodgepole, per perfectly burned. They're probably only six inches in diameter. They're a really small lodgepole. And we're sitting there. Clayton is just sitting there. And I'm, he's shaking. I can see him right in front of me. And that bull locks up. And I could see every muscle on his front legs is just total rock. I mean, just rippling. And I'm like, oh, boy, this bull's going to explode any second. So I'm getting ready. Reads in my mouth. My bugle's right at my hand. I'm not moving. I'm just staring right at his chest. I don't want to make eye contact. I don't really know if it really makes that big of a difference. Sometimes I feel it does. Sometimes I feel it doesn't. But I look at, I'm looking at the hair on his chest, and I'm, just, and I'm right there on Clayton. I'm saying, you know, get ready. Just get ready. And I'm telling him real silent, just get ready. And he's not really sure what to do there. He's never been in this situation. But as soon as that bull felt something was wrong, he turned to leave. And as soon as he turned and his butt was to him, he really didn't even put any yards between us. He just turned right there to leave. And I immediately hit him with that nervous grunt. I just give him that <gasps> real quick, you know, but with the reed in my mouth. And when I did, I right when I did it, I said, draw. It was just that, that fast. And he did. Instead of second guessing and saying, what, huh, why? There's no questions asked when someone tells you something. Do it right then. And he did. He drew as soon as right and simultaneously. And that bull turned broadside to look back, to look and see the elk he must have missed. That was just right there. 22-yard shot. Whack! Right there. Last day of the season. And you talk about excitement. And all three of us are just high-fiving. And, you know, 
know what I mean. But I mean, what, it, what was Clayton shooting? What was his bow? Oh, what, what do you call it? It's a recurve, but I'm trying to think. It's the. Oh, I almost had it right there. Black, Black Widow. No, no, no. It's a strange name one. Uh, da. Uh, uh, what the das. heck is it? Das or whatever. No, it's not even the Das. I know the Das. It's a uh, Habu. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. He's shooting. Do you guys know what the Habu is? H A B U. Yeah, they look Earth. a lot like yeah. a Black Widow. I... Yeah. It's, it's such a cool looking bow. Really yeah. nice. He shot him with a Habu, and it was a really nice six point bull. First light. We, I mean, it was just like, wow, the things just don't happen like that every year, you know, but he was shooting the Habu recurve, but he was shooting a lot heavier arrow. He was actually shooting over a 600 grain arrow. And I know he's shooting less than, than, uh, than, uh, 60 pounds on it, but it literally buried that thing to the knock. So, you know, I don't think a lot of people out there realize the power of, of, of traditional equipment. I think a lot of them think that we're just getting the broadhead in. Because I, I have people tell me this. If they act like half this stuff bounces off of them. But they don't realize <laughs> the, 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 the power and, and the penetration that you get. And a lot of times, a lot of bulls that we've killed with them, a lot of them don't even know they're hit. Yeah. They act like there's no, nothing's even happened. You guys ever experienced that too? Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, they do. It's like, it's just so silent. You know, when you release a long blower recurve, it's just like a, I mean, there's no cables and wheels coming back and springing and trying to, you know, and, and again, I have nothing against the compounds, but there's just something that is, is spiritual about that recurve or longbow. It's just such a part of you. And like I said, right in the very beginning of the podcast there, that there's that bond there and there's just something about it that is so special and you know i feel the same way when i see somebody else when i look at a photo or a picture you know a lot of times i'm looking at the go, oh my god he took that thing with a recurve he took it with a longbow <laughs> you know it, it immediately grabs your attention you don't go oh he took that with a compound how cool yeah you just not that there's anything wrong with that but you don't but when you see the trad gear it's like oh no I've yeah done for that. sure that when, is special that guy he did something right <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree 100%. When I was hunting with a compound and whenever I would see a photo of a guy with a kill with a longbow or recurve next to it, I was always like, wow, he got it with the man bow. I can't believe that. It's that is so awesome. Tough. It really, really, when, especially when, if you're a new hunter, and, and Clayton would have never even dreamed of trying to do a nervous grunt on his own. He just wouldn't have thought of it that early on because this was years ago, you know. Oh, it wasn't that long ago, but so, it's just... It takes a development and it takes a, a, a research and knowing, you know, it's just that process of understanding the sounds and then being able to initiate it under crunch time when your mind is going a million times a minute. You know, so it's like a it, golfer. <laughs> so it seems like the the nervous grunt is an important one to have in your bag of tricks. <laughs> the no location doubt. bugle is <laughs> a, a definitely another one. Uh, what about the bull calling cows bugle or the or the uh, lip ball bugle? Um, yeah, and that's the lip ball. You know, if a guy can learn the location bugle, uh, he, he can learn a challenge, uh, the lip ball, uh, the contact buzz, and just standard array of cow sounds, you know, cow chatter, you're pretty much set. You can almost tackle any situation out there by using one or two of those sounds. You can pretty much align yourself in any encounter. You do not have to know how to grunt. You don't have to know how to chuckle. You don't have to know how to glunk. You don't have to know how to do a 
ton of things. You really don't. If you can just dial in a few of those things, and sometimes, you know, even it's even nice to know a pant, how to do a pant. And, 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 and the reason for it is once you understand what a pant means to elk, it's a real simple one to do, you know, with your voice and your bugle. But, yeah, if you understand those types of sounds right there and when to use them and when the elk use them, man, it's really going to up your game. It really is because – you, you're you're now you're simplifying things, saying the elk use it at this time, or this time, or this time. You're not trying to overwhelm your brain, you know, like picking a golf club up for the first time or whatnot, and you're going to hit a ball and there's water, and you go, okay, don't hit the water. Whatever you do, don't look at the water. Make sure your hands over here. The grip is this way. I got to make sure I bring the shaft back. You think of so many things, and you you know, and you confuse yourself and so you in elk hunting we can do the same things if we allow our mind to do that but once you start getting dialed in and you realize there's some real basic sounds that elk use the most during these rutting rutting times or rutting phases then just get dialed in because it's more important to understand the other sounds you don't need to make as opposed to making them realize that a chuckle is a bull talking to other elk communication he's telling them he's asking them something he's saying come over he's not saying run away get the heck out of here a grunt is and a grunt is more for intimidation or warning to stay away can't will a bull ever use a grunt toward a cow yes why would he use a grunt toward a cow he will use a grunt toward a cow out of frustration or she's not doing what he's asking and he can actually grunt her because he's ticked off. So a grunt isn't only for intimidation or warning. It's also for frustration if something's not taking place according to what his will is or what he wants. So, so can you show us the difference between uh, grunts and chuckles? Yeah. So when you're – first of all, you you want to know that grunts usually come in two or threes. And you'll hear a bull sucking in air when he's given a grunt, kind of a – you'll hear him sucking in there's a hesitation between each one and they're loud chuckling it's very common to see chuckles be in a series of four to eight and half the volume so if you're ever unsure of what you're hearing listen for the next sound or additional sounds a bull may use if he's given a short high-pitched scream and you're unsure what he's saying it's nine times out of ten it's chuckles if he's given a very throaty Course, course bugle, and you're only hearing one, two, or three. It's more nine times out of ten. It's you're hearing grunts with it. And the, and the chuckles are going to be a lot more ape-like. Exactly, and 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 again, given a chuckle or a grunt is 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 you know age dependent. A three-year-old bull, three and a half-year-old bull does not sound anything like a seven and a half-year-old bull or a spike giving them. So you really can't go wrong if you're giving the right sound as long as you're really not you know unless you're just terrible at it then you need to practice it but so so don't let that ruin you if 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 you decide i want to use them at a specific time but to be honest with you i don't use them that often myself and i call a lot of elk in but i don't use a lot of chuckling i'm listening to them do i use them yes but i would rather use other sounds that can say the same thing with the more demanding tone and a lip ball or short scream like a bull is calling cows to him. Say he's rounding his cows up and he doesn't use a lip ball. Why isn't he? Why would he use a short scream instead of a lip ball when he's saying the same thing? Why would he do that? Because one is urgent. 
one is not. You see, that's the difference. It's like telling your kid, you know, don't go play in the street or watch out when you cross the street because something might be coming. But what if a car was coming? Watch out. Watch out. Get out of the street. Car's coming. You see, you're saying really the same thing. Watch out going in the street. But now a car is coming. Now it's urgent. You got to pay attention now. Well, that's what a bull will do. That's the difference between a bull using a short scream and maybe some short chuckling, trying to coerce your cow calling. A bull's trying to call you to him or give you direction. Okay. Now you're a herd bull and you got cows and a bull bugles nearby. You're lip balling to grab your cows together really quick. This is urgent. I want you to gather. We might get the crap out of here. I don't want a confrontation. You see, or a satellite comes in and he's trying to call the cows away. He's doing it urgently. I want this cow to come over now, not lollygag around and give a short, short little scream. You see, so. Again, it depends on the situation. What are you experiencing there? That's the type of sound you're reading so you know how to handle it. If I'm just trying to call – if if I'm trying to call uh, cows in an area and I'm not getting urgent, I'm just giving them this right here. You see, and those are chuckles right there, whereas a grunt would be more of a – you see and you can speed it up a little bit but i wanted to slow it just a hair so you could see the difference you see as i'm sucking the air in and like uh james said you see with the chuckling it's more ape-like more like that <laughs> that's what you're hearing I, i've noticed in the roosevelt country a lot more chuckling going on than i have in eastern oregon and i'm not sure why that is but it seems like the bulls seem to want to round their cows up with chuckles. I, I could I could be misunderstanding it, but it, it seems like there's a lot of chuckling going on, um, especially mid to late season. Yeah, and I, and I think we experience the same thing here. The, you know, then maybe a few days will go by where you're hearing a lot more of something else. But it just depends on what's going on, what the encounter is. But the point is, is read it, read what's going on, so you know how to apply because. What a lot of people don't realize when a lip ball is being used, you know, you'll hear, and, and I've and I've said it for years, you know, she's over twenty years almost that a lip ball is designed for a bull as a hunter, especially that we as a, as a supposedly subordinate satellite bull are coming in and we're trying to call the hot cow to the group. So remember what that means. I'm not trying to call a cow or cows from the bull. I could care less about the other cows that aren't ready to be bred. So it is a specially used sound only for best effects when a cow is coming into heat. If you try to use this sound when you find a bull that has cows and there's no cows in heat, there's no bugling, and you go over there and you want to rip a lip ball off or five of them, you are going to get very little action from that herd bull. What you've just done is probably screwed that whole thing up, and because the bull doesn't come, you've just disciplined him or educated him. And so now when it does come time – if he's a good bull, you're going to have a very difficult time to recall that bull in because on a good bull, if you don't call him in on the first or even the second time, very, very tough to call him in on number three, number four, number five to fool him. It's very, very tough. So I like to wait for the bulls to get ripe. If I'm going to use a lip ball, 
I make sure he has a hot cow. Absolutely. He's being harassed by other bulls. They are trying to call that cow away from him. He's warning him to stay away. I know this is my time. I am not going to stand 150, 200 yards away and lip ball that bull. I'm going to slip in. If I can't go in silently and get into bow range and kill him, then I know I need to have him come to me. I'm going to do everything I can to get inside that 60, 70, whatever it takes. Like my son's 50 yards, hammer it and have him react act because you're so close he does not want that cow to come and the thing i was going to mention about the lip ball it's a twofold message not one so not only are you trying to direct that hot cow give her a direction to come over and consider you as a possible breeder bull it's a slap in the herd bull's face to do this right under his nose so what you're basically doing it is warning or telling him to stay back as you call this cow from him so you're basically telling him he doesn't have the right to keep so, and breed, breed that cow. Is that, a, is that a good call to use if you've bumped into the herd and the cows see you and the bull hasn't seen you yet to give them yes. that? Yes. It's an excellent sound to hit them with a lip ball right there. And, 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 and I've had bulls where I've done that and they just came unglued but didn't come running to me. That is when I try to introduce the threat. So I'm trying to be ready for any situation, like I said in the beginning. When I get into an encounter, I hate losing any of them. I want every single one of those bulls to come in bow range. Whether I get a shot opportunity or not, I want to know that I, I did the right things to at least getting the distance needed, but maybe the angle's wrong or there's too much brush or you know whatever it is. Is, is so, or I couldn't draw. So those are the important things. So the threat is going to be some cow in distress with some some ag- aggressive chuckling and screaming. Oh, yeah. And- I mean, not even the chuckling. You don't need to get into that aggressive calling, just like you said, with the cow sounds. And, and, and I mean, all you're doing is painting a picture that you have one of the cows there. And even though she may not be in heat, it's the fact the bull doesn't want to lose any cows. You've already got him riled up. This is something you are continuing, okay? He is already bugling, screaming, and telling you to get back. That's when I throw the cow in, you see, because now I have to take it to another level. He's not coming. Yeah, I'm getting a screaming match. How many screaming matches have you ever been in when three, four, five minutes went and you won? Almost none. None. You end up losing those, and they leave. So then we found out years ago, if we can add just that one little dimension to it, it can make the difference does he come in every time no but does he leave every time no i'll take those odds any day because other than that he wasn't going to come anyway so now i'm trying to let him know there's a reason to come and it has worked i mean so many times and for a lot of people i mean i've gotten a lot of emails where the threat was the determining factor for them to kill that elk when nothing else was working and so it's just another tool in your bag that you can throw out there if he doesn't come with the threat so what? He's still right over there. He ain't going anywhere. He just didn't come. You didn't run him out of the country. It just didn't work. But neither did the screaming match, which you have found out that nearly 100% of the time, he don't come anyway. So see, all you're trying to do is make something happen. And that's where the pants come in. I have found that over the years, when I can add pants to that, oh my goodness, it pushes him right over the edge. You go with that thread and add pants. I have done this several times where it just wouldn't commit and the minute i threw the pants in i could hardly even get him out of the tube and he is just storming in i mean that is is the difference and is that just the deep breathing through the tube yeah and i'm just kind of giving the deep just like a bull would do but see but now you have to understand why they do it 
You see, you have to know there's a definition behind it. You see, bulls use a, a pant for a specific reason. So it's not just saying, okay, I glunked, I panted, I did this, I did that. But why? When do they do it? When do you hear them do it? You see, and that's the key right there. That's what all my studies and research have tried to bring to the fore is this is when they use this sound. So this is when we as hunters will use this sound. And that is how we take so many elk on over-the-counter hunts where everybody else is hunting. And that pan is just more of a... You see something like that along with my lip ball. Yeah, will you give us a will you give us like a level 3? You mean you mean if I'm using cow sounds and the whole thing right there? Yeah, like the level 3 threat like the full meal deal. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm maybe McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, first of all, I have the, you know, it's a lot different when you have the bull doing his part (laughs) i mean it really fires you up man because you're playing off of his sound so you know going into the threat i'm usually doing the threat i'm turning to the threat when i've already heard the bull i I bugled him i might have given the bull sound like this right here just something short just something short and powerful And, and trying to give it to him right there so that, you know, he understands that I'm not going to back off. I mean business right there. And so listening to the bull come back at me. And if we go, we exchange like that a couple of times, I may give him more of a little bit of a growl at the end. Like, and hit him with something like that right there. Letting him know that I'm holding my ground. And so once we trade a couple of times, then... I go into the cow calling. See, I've already got his attention. I'm not going to all of a sudden go from cow calls to the bugle. I'm sticking with the bugle and then going to the cow calls under that situation. So just so that you know, there's a difference. There are times when I'm working a bull, I go with the cow sounds first. And he answers, I'll challenge over the top of him. This isn't one of those. This is I've already got the communication going. So now I have to, and he's not coming. So now I'm giving him a reason to. And when I'm giving him, I'm raking, I'm hitting, I'm stomping the brush, and I'm hitting the cow sounds. I mean, I pour it on like that, and I may give him 15, 20 of them like that. I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm just hammering it and just thrashing everywhere. And then I say, and the bull's bugling this whole time. He is just screaming. At the same time, I've already got the cow. So I don't really need to go to the lip ball. Okay. I'm not trying to call a cow from him. So I'm sticking with the challenges. I'm sticking more with the growl, more of that. More and the sharp blast at him. That's more of what I'm trying to hit him with. And so I'm going through that same scenario of just hitting those cow sounds and going more of a. Really whiny, like he's hooking her, horning her. Remember, this guy's getting aggressive with this cow. This cow doesn't want to be there. She's trying to get away and go back to the bull, back to the group. And so you're letting him know that this guy is harassing this cow. He's trying to hook her, okay? He's not just sitting there doing nothing, making a couple of bugles. So you're painting that entire picture, and you can, yes, you can now go through the pants of a... (laughs) 
And just hit him with the... And that's what you're doing. And again, these are specific situations. We may only do this once in a year out of all the call-ins. It's not every bull that we're doing that to. So, you know, take that into consideration. A lot of times when we're going into the bull, we know there's a hot cow. We're going straight to the lip ball because it's calling the cow and telling him to stay back. That's your twofold message. You're warning the bull to stay there as you're trying to call the hot cow away from him. So developing something like that again it's all according to the situation you are in as to what direction you're going to go to so you're 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 falling into that because the scene is just so chaotic that you're you're going to your last resort to just try to make it happen yeah exactly and that's what i'm trying to do you know uh, sometimes you're going to get to that last resort you know other times it's just a bugle, and here he comes running in. You know, another time I've, I've gotten in there and, and, and getting him to respond to the cow call, a lot of times you have to build a bull up. It's just like if the bull – you have a bull that has cows, and you've got him spotted. You know where he's bedding. You've seen him bed there for four or five days now. I mean he's there, but you can tell there's nothing in heat. There's no cow in heat. How do you kill that bull? That bull is still a callable bull. So how do you call him away to come and check you out and not have the cows come over to you? See, it's a, it's a call. It's, again, you're going to use a specific situation to try to arouse or develop interest in, in, in bringing that bull over to you. If I sat up from that bull and I got 125 yards away and I know they're bedded over there. I even saw them. And it's open country. A lot of sagebrush, junipers, pinions. I will get to a spot. Because I can't walk over to him and just shoot him. He's too far away and it's too open. I'm going to get and use the undulation of the ground. And I know I can get to a certain point that I need to know I'm hidden. And when that bull decides to come over and check me out, he has to be in bow range. He cannot sit out there at 65, 70 yards and see where I am at, where the calling. I'm busted. So, again, even in that open country, you can find those spots you really got to pick them you can find the undulation or the terrain difference where he you know he has to come up and out of something or over a little hump anything you got to have the advantage there or don't call him don't mess around because you're going to lose that battle he will stop where he thinks he can see something he has to be within your range but whether it's in the timber or it's in the open country right there that's i try to suck that bull out i am going to give him a defensive action that i'm going to lead up to whether i get over there and i get into the brush and i get to a little pile of anything i can where i know if he comes i have a shot and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to plant the seed and i can do it several ways there's a recipe but the recipe you know like when you're cooking there's a recipe where there's five ingredients and you don't have to put this one in and then this one and then this one or it screws everything up you can put all five in in any order and do your stern and it still comes out to that same dish there's some recipes where you have to be specific but in elk hunting a lot of times it doesn't matter as long as the recipe is there and so whether you want to rake first or whether you want to cow call first i like cow, cow calling first i like planting the seed i get in tight he's got eight cows ten cows 
The bull's up, bed's up above him. He does this almost every time. Rarely do you see a bull bed right in the middle of his cows. Hardly ever. He stays up just up above him. He separates himself a little bit. And maybe you guys have noticed this too. And I've hunted seven different states. They do it in all of them. Does this mean a bull would never bed in the middle of the cows? No. But more likely than not, he doesn't. He separates himself a little bit. And so I know that. And so when I know that bull's over there, I like to start off with a cow call. Two, three very soft ones. And why do I do that? Because he doesn't know who I am. He knows who those cows are. He knows the cows in his area, but he doesn't know that cow. And so you play on that. He does not know. He's never heard your sound when you cow call. So immediately you've got his attention. There's a cow over there. You know, it doesn't mean anything yet, but there's a cow over there that he does not know. Does he usually answer me when I cow call there? Nope. Doesn't say a sound. Nothing. If he does, that's a blessing in disguise, but he generally doesn't. I can go to two or three of those, sometimes four, and just giving them little sounds like this here. And just stop. Wait a minute. Don't do anything. You've planted the seed. You don't have to go crazy. He knows you're there. If he wants to come over, that's wonderful. Most of the time, he doesn't even move. He's just still staying right where he is. So I'll do it again. Wait a minute or so. I'll hit him, and I'll do it a third time. I'm trying to get him to finally respond to me. If that bull finally responds to me, here's what he's going to do. He's going to sound nine times out of ten. Is that bull going to lip ball me? No. He's not even near that worked up to where he's going to be urgent and get over here right now or else. He's not nothing like that. He's not in that frame of mind. Here's what I'm going to hear. That's about what I'm going to hear from him. Nothing, just low-keyed, you know, nothing major. If he's a big old bull, which most of the time they're not, they're just standard six points, you know, 250, 280s. You're going to hear something like that from that bull. Which you, what is he doing? He's calling the cow to you, to him. That's what he's trying to do. If that bull, once he does that, I'm going to come right over the top of him. I'm ready for this bull because I want him to answer. If he doesn't, I know what to do next still. But if he answers me, I immediately give him. I challenge him right there to stay back. What does that tell that bull? Tells that bull, I got a cow coming into heat. That's because I'm defensive. The same as him. When he has a cow coming into heat, he is defensive to anything that responds in his area that talks to him from another bull. I just showed him that I have a cow coming into heat. That's it's the only reason I'm being protective or defensive to that cow that he heard right there. And he knows it. That's the elk world. So anytime you hear a bull being defensive, he's got a cow or he knows of a cow very nearby that's coming into heat and they do not want to share. They want everything else out of there. They don't want the other elk coming in. These are the bulls. And so they get defensive to him. Can a satellite be defensive to another satellite? Absolutely. They don't always do it, but they can. So when I showed him, a challenge to stay back that showed him this is something worth considering. What does that bull want to do? I can tell you right now he wants to scent check that cow. He wants to smell that cow more than anything because this is what he's waiting for. He's waiting for that eight or nine cows that he has to start coming into heat. That's what he wants. That's why he's collecting them. That's what he's waiting for him to do. Well, here's one right here coming in. This bull just told him she's coming in. 
because he got defensive with him. So the minute I challenge him, I'm starting to rake and rake and thrash. I may give a little bit of a mew, but the point is I'm letting him know I'm getting worked up and he better stay back. Well, he's not going to stay back. Once you start getting him riled up and you bugle back nine times out of 10, he fires him up and he bugles right back at you. And so once you carry that through with the raking, sometimes I'll have to incorporate the panning, you know, to because panning denotes excitement. It can denote excitement and it can denote frustration when something's not doing what it's doing or when he's coming across a new cow or a bull's come and, or, you know, coming into his space. He shows that frustration or excitement and he'll give him that. And that's what they do. And you hit him with that scream right behind him with that challenge. And I'm. That is how you elevate your calling right there. And that is how we call that bull in on a nonchalant. He has no hot cow in the area. You just piqued his interest to the max. I will do this and back and forth if I have to with the rake and few cow calls. And usually here he comes. This is what this bull does. If he doesn't and five, six, seven minutes goes by, we get in a few little talkings, you know, a little screaming. And I'm like, he's not going to come. Dang, it's one of them days he's not going to do it. Then what I end up doing is I still bide my time there for only a couple of minutes. I make sure he's not sneaking in. Nothing coming, nothing. I don't hear anything. Now I, I slowly walk away from the area. I give a couple of the cow sounds that she has, and I give a screaming bugle. I'm 40 yards away like I'm leaving, and I sneak right back to my spot where I started, and I don't make another sound. Because when that bull gets up, where do you think he's going? He won't. Wants to smell where that cow was. I promise you, he wants to scent check that area. Was she hot? She must have been. Be but nine times out of ten, he comes. There's none of this lollygagging around. Once you start raking and you represent, he's displaying for this cow. He's threatening this bull not to come over here or else. You're showing him you got a hot cow right there. That is what you're doing and that's what brings those satellites over that's when they know there's a breeding sequence going on it's defensive action so i built him up all the way from a cow call all the way to where i added the pants the bugling the raking the displaying that's what i'm doing i painted that picture in his mind to where he finally comes right over and commit and you know a lot of times all you got to do is give that cow call you got his attention when you start raking here comes the bull right there so so this could work anymore this could work opening weekend. Oh, absolutely. 100%. 100%. That's why they're already gathering cows then. And you can also pique the interest of lone bulls. Because when a bull starts rubbing his, his antlers to get the velvet off, their testosterone levels are already rising. That is what loosens it all. As the testosterone level rises, the blood leaves the antlers. It starts drying, decaying. Right now, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're to the point where they're tender and soft. And they don't want to get in a battle or, or fool around with trees when they have feeling in that bone. So they wait for it to dissipate and draw. And that's and, and, and according to studies, it's the testosterone level rising and the blood, blood decreasing out of the antlers. And therefore, they become hard and there's no feeling in it to where they're sensitive or can be deformed at that time. But the point is, is yes, you could do this in August. I mean, one of the best kills we ever had, my son killed a 320. 20 inch bull on on august the 30th and and i even wrote about it you might have seen it in one of the dvds where we were going up the mountainside and hit the cows accidentally we didn't know they were there we hadn't heard a thing we'd already gone a mile and a half and it was just after daylight we come a crest up over a hill onto a little bench and there's the cow standing there didn't see a bull but there was at least a half a dozen cows well what did i do i tried to melt down into the brush and and, and sound like a cow right there 
you know, one of them cow bushes because they saw us. And I was like, oh, man. Well, they just sat there and stared and stared and stared. And I'm like, this is going nowhere. I'm going to have to run at these cows. That's all there is to it. And scream for them to come back. I ran at them. All I did was grab my size. Come on. Let's go running right at him. Ran at him, and the and the cows didn't bark. They didn't do anything. We just ran at him, and they started scattering. It. And unbeknownst to us, you should have heard how many more elk were in the trees that we didn't see. They were scattering everywhere. I have no idea how many. I would say there was at least fifteen cows in this bunch. And I screamed a bugle, that high pitched scream, trying to get them to come back. Not really, but hoping there was a bull there. Nothing. I screamed a second within just seconds. Screamed a third one. And all of a sudden, I would say 250, 300 yards away, way up the hill. The bull just screamed back at me, and I did my best to cut him off. And he screamed again. As a matter of fact, he screamed like two more times in a row before I could do anything. And I could hear his bugling as he was bugling, getting closer and closer and closer. I mean, this bull was running down this mountain. And now I'm screaming again. And the whole time, really, I'm screaming toward him. But he knows I'm trying to call the cows back that went and he could hear them running who couldn't they were sound like a herd of elephants running out there and we were right on a little bit of a bench we had a lot of steep country which means it benches all the time it's not just you go from six thousand feet to eight thousand without a benching they just doesn't do it it benches you know but i mean sometimes you're going to go a few hundred yards be- between benches sometimes 50 60 yards well this particular one was probably more 100 yards apart I got to one of the benches. We closed the distance as quick as we could. This bull's coming. I set my son up right on top of the bench. I got back down. I backed myself down just below it. So I couldn't really see him good. I could see just like the top of my son's head. And I'm in a tree. And I, I am screaming that bugle. And I'm just raking and raking and raking. No cow calls. Just screaming. And this bull is running in. So why would I cow call? He wasn't hanging up. He is just coming. And so I just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And I look up, and I mean, I'm only maybe 30, 35 yards, and I see the bull's rack. It's just standing there, staring right down at me. And I'm behind the tree. And I see my son. I'm looking right over to the left. I could just see the top of him, and I see his entire bow. He's just sitting there, and he's already drawn back. And I'm waiting for him to shoot this bull. And I am thinking, oh, he's got something in the way and he can't get the shot. So I turn to my right and I scream and rake trying to get this bull to turn. About then, that's when he releases the arrow and whistles right through the bull. The bull only goes, I would say, maybe 15 feet nowhere and topples over dead. And and before he did that, that bull screamed a bugle right there. He just screamed a bugle at me and that's when he shot. And he said he wanted to give him one last bugle. And that's what he told me. When I went up there, I said, wow. How did you shoot the bull? What happened? He goes, I wanted to give him one last bugle before I shot him. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? And that's what he did. But, you know, it was just things like that. That was August the 30th that wow. we provoked that bull to come, even though, and I doubt there was even a hot cow in that group, but it was just the fact that it was just one of those times that we tripped his trigger. So you never know what can happen. You know, I like it. My odds grow tremendously when I know a bull has a hot cow because he's ready to die. He's extremely, extremely defensive at that time. And that's when he doesn't want to run. And that's one of the biggest reasons why we try to catch those hot, those bulls with hot cows in their bedding area. Because if you can catch them at their destination, it takes, it takes an act of God to run them out of there. They, they don't want to leave unless they see your smell. You I mean, that's a different story. But, but, but from that standpoint, they will stay right there and they will defend and that's where most of them die right there because like i say if you catch them in transition they're on the move 
And a lot of people take that wrong. You know, they'll say you can't bugle bulls or you can't call bulls because they just keep running from the calls. Well, what they don't realize is a lot of these bulls, they're catching an hour after daylight. So they're in transition. They're on their way to somewhere. They just think the bulls are running from them. They're not. They're right. going somewhere. They don't want to come back. Bang. Sure. So they keep yeah. calling. They move, call and move. And the hunter's going, he's still going the other way. See, you can't be with <laughs> these things. They just run. Well, see, they don't understand what makes elk tick, what they're doing, what, what, what's the situation right there. So they're catching them on the move is what they're doing. So you got to dog the herd and you got to get them to where they want to be. Then you hunt and kill that bull right there. And so that's, you know, once people start understanding and realizing that, it's like, oh, that makes total sense, you know, and, and, and they start getting a feel for it. It's just like when guys come to me and they say, how do you find feeding areas? How do you know where they bed? I mean, how do you find these areas? And so I tell them the fastest way to find them. If you really want to know where elk are feeding, all you got to do is go call before daylight. Call an hour, hour and a half before daylight. I don't care if you walk the trails or if you want to walk gated roads or if you want to drive and stop and bugle every mile. Anytime you hear an elk, they're in their feeding area. That's where they're at then. They're in their in their nighttime feeding, watering, bedding area. That's their nighttime area. And you're and mark them on your map. Drive around until you find five, six, seven, eight, ten over the over the next couple of years. Mark them all on your map because they use those same feeding areas every single year. And if you can get them to 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 sound off sooner or later you will during that month early on middle doesn't make any i get them sounding off any day of september because elk are extremely brave at night sometimes early on i have to cover more distance i'll go one mile or 40 miles i don't care i just keep going and i don't call near people's camps but until i locate the elk and and the nice thing about it is when you hear them at night it's an elk you're not hearing a human. You're not going, man, I wonder if that was a guy out there. You, like in the daytime, you, you know. Do you wait till like one in the morning before you start night bugling? Or is there a, a time frame that? Anytime after dark, you can get him to bugle. But I don't like losing that much sleep if I'm having to go a distance. You know, I used to do it when I was younger. I would go out at 10, anywhere from 10 to 2 or 3, come back. So uh, you get a cat nap. But as I got older, like once I hit 55 and older, I. I find myself only doing it that last hour to hour and a half before daylight. I don't even go during the middle of the night anymore. And so I like doing that because I'm ready with my pack. I've, 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 there's some guys out here that have had a lot of success and they're going out all night bugling and then they're sleeping in in the morning and then they're, they're only wanting to hunt them once they've made it to the bedding area. So they're waiting till 10 o'clock and, and you know getting them in their bedding areas and, and well, they have to, to know where the bedding area is though so right. they already know where their bedding area is yeah well i guess this is with roosevelt's where they're not traveling very far yeah and and it all depends and that's true see on the on the on the rocky mountain elk it's they will go between a half a mile and two miles that's very common one mile to one and a half is the most common but you never know you know if they're not being pressured a lot they will bed within a half a mile where they're feeding all the time right but when there is pressure they usually go to the more secluded areas just because of the fact that they're they're getting hammered and called okay. to from this direction or that direction so yeah just take the into consideration where you're hunting what you're hunting and 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 then it'll just become common sense but the main thing is you found their their feeding areas and i'll tell you the most important things about that there's a lot to that that a person should understand 
And when you find the feeding areas, because of their vocalization over a period of time or a year or two, the, the reason I mark these down <clears throat> is because what happens on those times when you go, well, it's uh, uh, August the 31st and it's elk season and nothing's really saying anything. You have all these areas that you know are, no, are a natural feeding area that they use all the time. Even though if they're not saying anything, does that mean there's no elk in any of them? No. So what I do is I go into those areas when I know the elk are gone and I look for fresh sign. Oh, nothing in that one. Nothing in that one. I got right. them on my map. Right. Oh, here's some, look at the tracks all over this trail where they're going in and feeding and they're scatting everything. You're going, man, they're here. So now what do I do? They're not saying anything. I go find the trails they're using to leave Fine. the feeding area to the to bedding, the bedding area. area. You right. bet. Now I, I know they're using it. I found it. I don't have to call them. I'm going right. to go over there and, and see when elk go into a feeding area, a lot of times they use one trail for going in them and another one for leaving because the wind changes. As they're coming in the evening, the wind's one way. In the morning, it's another. Sometimes you'll find them going both. They're going both back and forth on the same one, but not all the time. So look at the tracks on the trail. It will tell you, okay, you don't want to sit on the one when they're when they're coming from the bedding area, if they're using another one in the morning, because you're being on the wrong trail. So all you got to look at the tracks, the tracks tell you which one's going to the feeding, which one's going to the bedding. It's, you know, common sense. So do that. Make sure you're on the right trail. If you want to go up there, you know, 40 minutes before daylight, I know they're there. I can see the sign everywhere, but they're not saying anything, but they're feeding over here. So I'm going to go sit this trail because I know they're coming out of there between daylight and the first hour to head to the bedding. So now you can ambush them right there. You don't have to call. Find a good spot where the wind's in your favor, within your 20, 25 yard, you know, range, whatever your range is, and a comfortable one, and sit there and wait for them. Let them do the movie because they're going to walk right by. How do you okay. find the bedding area? Get in the woods. Be there between 10 o'clock and 5, 6 o'clock. It doesn't matter. In the morning, get there. They're in their bedding areas around that time. So then once the morning, if nothing's going on a lot, I get up on the higher ridges, not the highest point on the mountains, but just somewhere high enough where I can hear out. And when they make any kind of a sound, and they do, they get up and move. Elk can move every hour, hour and a half, two hours. The sun moves on them. Insects are in there. They want to nibble. They want to drink, whatever. The point is when they get on their feet, most of the time they make a sound. They'll let the elk, other elk know they're on their feet and they're moving a little bit to re-find uh, another area to bed. And so this is what they'll do. They'll just make sounds. They're not just bugling like it's rutting season, but they're not. But they're very low. But a lot of times, boom, map, boom, got another one. Mark that one on my map. Over a period of time, you start getting all these bedding areas on your map. They use the same ones every single year. And in time, I study these at this time of year and even earlier to refresh myself going, oh my God, I forgot all about this area and this one and this one. So on those quiet days when there's nothing happening, you don't sit in camp and you're not out bugling everywhere because they're really not saying anything. It doesn't mean nothing would respond, but I noticed that my odds are much better in finding where the fresh sign is on these bedding areas they're using. So I go check these areas out when they're not in the bedding areas, what I'm doing. The same as the feeding. I go look for the feeding area more in the 10, 11 o'clock. I'm looking for the fresh sign when I know they're long gone. So I don't have to spook in anything. Because if you spook them out of the bedding area and stuff, a lot of times they won't come back to it. So I don't want them physically to see me or smell me. If worst of two enemies is the smelling. You can, they can see you and they can still return. But if they smell you right there, it's a bad deal. It could be weeks or maybe not even that season will they show back up there. So, but just basically what we're doing is we're trying 
trying to take advantage of everything that can happen out there from calling to different sequences to working herd bulls, which I didn't even get into that, how we work <laughs> herd bulls. I mean, that's just a whole nother arena and, and a lot of the satellite stuff. There's just so much stuff. So for, for people to come on and they say, you know, all you really have to do is this or this. How many elk are they really letting go by that they that they they don't do anything about? If you hunted and 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 you were out there and you're and you're trying to hunt elk and you hear a bull bugle one time and you can't get him to sit anything, you sat there for thirty minutes, nothing's going on. Ah, you see, to me, that's where I'm going straight to the advertising sequence. I'm going to get closer. I'm going to try to call that bull in. Yeah. Because if I'm just going to sit there and do nothing or go to a new area and relocate, oh, I'm going to find another bull that gives one bugle up. Nothing there. He won't answer back. Off you go again. No, I am going to do everything in my power to try to get that bull in. Everything. And so that's the difference is is the reason I have a lot of different strategies and sequences and, 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 and things that I use is because I am trying to do whatever it takes to put the odds in my favor to draw that elk to me or I need to call my way to him. It all depends on the elk. You know, and that's how I kill. I killed three really good herd bulls, three years. Actually, I killed four, but three really good herd bulls with my longbow where I literally called my way right to them. I waited for them to invite me. And once a bull invites you as a cow, forget the bugle. You don't need it anymore. Once he asks you to, to come, do what he's asking you to do exactly what he wants. And you can make all the noise you want. Crawl, crunch, bang, bang. Call and give him the sound that a cow will use when she accepts the invite. She has a special tone that she uses. And how do I know this? Because I have bugled in a ton of cows over the years. And they all have the same sound when they're vocal. I bugled cows in that didn't make any sounds at all. They just showed up. But are you, most are you cows, using the buzz sound? No, no buzz at all. Uh-uh. No, when it when when and, and and so the important thing about all these things is that a lot of times you're going to hear these sounds, guys, when you're out there, and immediately you can tell what's happening. So what if you hear a cow giving the uh, telling you hear the cow giving that sound that she's accepting an invite? What is that telling you? Automatically you're going, well, there's a cow there, and there's obviously a bull that I haven't even heard yet, but there's a bull over there that maybe. She, he, he's just out of our hearing, but she knows he's there, and she's telling him she's coming. So, see, it's painting a picture, and it's the same as if you're walking through the woods and you haven't called at all, and you hear the high shrill pitch with a growl at the end. Immediately, you know that's a herd bull. That's a herd bull. He's got cows. Why did he give that sound? Because there's satellites hanging around him. No question about it. It's a warning. There's satellites right there that he either sees as they flank and circle the herd, or he's smelling them. As they come around in his scent zone, and then they're out of it as they keep moving because he's got a cow coming into heat, and that's why they're there. They're not doing that for any other reason, and so you're listening for all these things in the woods. This is how you're reading a, situa a situation, and you're knowing how to apply your next calling sequence if one is needed. If I get into that situation and I hear that bull give that, I'm immediately going to go straight to a breeding sequence. Immediately. I'm going to get close enough, and I'm going to hammer that. And what am I going to call in? I'm going to call in the satellites. Not going to call the herd bull, but I'm calling the satellites in. They're going to come right over because that's what brought them there in the first place. 
They know there's something going on there, and that's why they're there. And that's why the bull's warning them to stay away. So see, this dictates what I need to do to up, up my odds to bring those satellites right over to me. And and this is one another way that we kill these bulls. Now, if I don't want the satellites, and I'm strictly after the herd bull, in this situation, if I can get him to answer my cow call, and the only reason I'd go to it is because I can look things over and go, okay, I've got good wind. I've got a lot of cover. I could definitely get to this herd bull once he calls me to him. And once he does, I'm going to give him those sounds that I'm telling him I'm coming. It's just like if somebody was in the woods and you went, hey, Robert. And Robert says, yeah, I'm over here. I'm coming. I'm coming. And you go, okay, Robert heard me. He knows. And now he's coming to me. It's the same thing with the elk. So when the bull is calling the cow and she says, she communicates back, I heard you, I'm coming. That's what she's doing. She's not just making a little uh, a cow mew, like a social talk. That is not the sound he's looking for. He is looking for, she heard me, she's coming. And so he gets excited as she comes and she's getting closer, she's called, and he continues to give her the direction. It's not like they're standing out in the middle of a sagebrush opening and she can see him. So he's telling her where he is. You see, as she gives him that direction because of the thickness, the whatever's there, and she'll call, he'll call you right to her. She'll, he'll call that cow. And that's how I've killed three of those. And I mean, I've shot him under 20 yards, all with a longbow. And here's the sound this cow will make. As she goes, as she accepts that invite and goes to him, she'll sound just like this. Almost like a dog whimpering, isn't it? It has that. Yeah. It has that. Those notes to it, and she gives that very rapid sound, and she's going right at him. I remember years ago. I mean, a long time ago, when I first heard that, I was bugling, and I had cows coming to me, and I didn't know it was cow. I thought it was a guy. I honestly did. I, I'd never heard anything like that. I mean, this was a long time ago, and I was like, "What the heck?" And I'm like, "Oh crud! Somebody's coming in, throwing their cow call at me," and it was. Cow. It was a lone cow by herself. And she came walking, I mean, within feet of me. And I'm like, oh my. I mean, it triggered something in me to a learning thing. Like, what? And then over the years, I've had multiple cows coming in when they were all doing it. And I mean, talk about a chaotic sound of, of four, five, six, seven cows doing this all at one time, coming straight at me. And so years ago, I learned this, no matter the weapon I was using, is when I got a bull in uh, asking me to come go with that sound right there i only and i use it all the way to him and i mean i'll get i'll change the volume as i'm coming and start to soften it as i close the distance from 150 175 50 and the minute i get right around 40 or so is because this bull's calling me to him he's not silent anymore he's calling me is i know right where he is now is I stop. I don't call anymore after 40. And that is when I pull my arrow out of my quiver, knock it, and that's when I'm ready. I do not run with the arrow in my quiver thinking something great might happen in between because it's just dangerous for, you know, I mean, you never know. Those broadheads are sharp. And so I wait until I get to that 40 and then I shut my calling down and now I just start slipping in silently. And I can crack, pop things. I can do anything I want. Because he's expecting there's a cow right there. You've got him sold it. Lucy's coming in. That's all there is to it. And here she I've never even had a bull run from that. They stay right there. And as it, and you know what the bull normally does? Once I hit that forty yard yard mark, he could be doing it before, but I start hearing him there. He's raking. He starts to display 
for this cow. And so as I get in there, I actually listen for that. I'm listening for him to start showing off for her. And you'll hear him raking, raking, and thrashing, and raking. And so in the beginning, when I told you that bulls will rake for different reasons, do you think he's trying to warn or fight or intimidate this cow to stay away? No, not even the least. He's trying to attract her. So now he is raking. I mean, I've watched him urinate all over themselves. All I mean, to them, they're they're doing what a guy would do when he walks into a bar and he's trying to be cleaned up and pick up a girl or something. You, you know, you're all cleaned up and you're shaved. You got cologne all over you, and that's our style. You're trying to you know present yourself in a, in a good way. Well, this is how bulls do it for the cows. They're raking and raking and urinating and whining. They're making all these little guttural sounds. I mean, they make a lot of little tones. I mean, it's kind of you're here make all these little things as you get in close and he's getting excited a lot of times you'll hear him panting as he's doing this he's getting excited as she's coming and the last thing he's thinking of is you know running nothing like that not even tense he thinks it's a cow walking right in there and so right when i get in and i see okay he's right there there's his legs he's right there i'm just trying to find an opening now and most of the time i don't have to call i don't make i don't have to do anything i actually hadn't even nervous grunted them i mean they allow you just to move right on around and i mean once the opening is right there it's just you know how quick a longbow is it's just quack quack i mean it's done and that arrow's gone before he even knows what happens but he'll call you to him and so that's one of the best ways to try to call a herd bull. So when you're calling, a lot of times you may hear uh, another bull or two because those satellites are around them and they may answer. So when you're making your cow sounds and you're trying to only let that herd bull know you're coming to him, do not answer those other two bulls. Make sure your response is only to his calling. That's it. Don't go, oh, there's bulls over there. I'll cow call them too no don't do that you'll you will notice when cows are, are are directed and going after that bull that she's chosen so to speak she is not calling to every elk she hears bugling out there she calls to this guy right here so remember that direct your calling only to him and respond to him when he calls not to the other ones this is the one she chose you, in other words you're selling yourself as one of the elk at that time i mean we're talking over the counter you have to really have your P's and Q's in order here. When you start throwing in imposter stuff, you raise suspicion. A red flag's raised in their eyes. And that's when all of a sudden they stiffen up. Something's not right. So don't throw a wrench into things if you don't have to because you get excited and you think you should answer every bugle out there. Because we've done that in the past, haven't we? We've all done it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. avoid that. And this is how you up your odds in these tiny little areas. You know, it's like when I call bulls, I bugle bulls and – They've heard me, and then all of a sudden they'll be bugling on their own and bugle, bugle, bugle. And, I mean, I'm still 250, 300 yards over there, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm not going to call this bull again. This guy is bugling so much on his own. I'm going to slip in. The terrain looks pretty good. I think I can slip in and try to kill this bull. And, and so I'm slipping in, slipping in, and now I'm getting 60, 70, or 70, 80 yards. You know, I'm trying to get to 60, and all of a sudden <clears throat> I hear a bull make this sound right here. This is what he makes that's it and he's bugling he's been bugling I'm like, okay 60 70 yards i hear him make it. he's right there okay i know right where he is you know no problem i'm going to continue to sneak now when you get that last 60 70 it seems like it takes a minute to go five yards six yards you are being so careful because to you you he doesn't know you're there so you're trying to slip so careful. You're trying to let yourself know, be patient, be patient, be patient. You don't have to push this. He doesn't know anything is wrong. Then all of a sudden, 
that bull's 150 yards away and he bugles. 175 bugles again. You're like, what the? He was just right there. And I know darn well the wind is good. There was no way he smelled me. Well, you know what? He heard you. That's why he gave you that growl. So anytime you're in the woods and you're slipping down a bull and you and he's bugling, he's making all these sounds, and all of a sudden you hear that low sound. You've been heard. Oh he, man, he I've, heard, I've I've been there so many times. So you have to know what to do next to kill that bull. You he's still killable. You haven't lost him yet. He did not give you a nervous grunt because it was not a nervous reaction where you surprised him or I, I know that cow or something right there. I heard, you, you know, it's not a nervous thing there. It's not a barking situation. Nothing like that. He saw a movement, something cracked, popped, and he knows there was no elk down there. So what would, un- what would, what would understand what he said? A wolf, a bear, a mountain lion? Nope. Only another elk. And he knows that he's not stupid. So he, they give that growl. That means you've been heard. You better satisfy them real quick. Let them know. Calm them down what you are. And I don't bugle at that time. That's when I give them the cow call. A very soft, meow, meow. Letting him know. Because I'm an elk. I heard. He, he's asking what's down here. So I let him know. And that usually calms him down. Now I can make noise. Now I can rustle the brush. Maybe give him a couple little excited cow calls. That's it. Then I'm going to come up there. I'm coming up. And we've killed bulls. As a matter of fact, Clayton was with us on one of those trips when we were heading straight up the mountain. Again, he's carrying his habu, you know. That is his go-to recurve. He loves that thing. He's hunted with that thing for probably 15 years. So he's he's actually hunted with it for more for longer than we have. And he's a really a good kid. He's Paul's age. But we were going up the hill, and we had this bull bugling another bull, two bulls bugling. We were in a huge draw. One's on one side, one's in the other. And we had about seven, 800 feet to get up to this bull. And so I'm telling i'm trying to explain to clayton a little bit what's going on i said you see what's going on we got two bulls bugling here he goes oh yeah yeah i said both those bulls have cows they're herd bulls how do you know that i said because if one wasn't a herd bull he'd be right over here with this other one i said when both bulls have cows they will keep their distance he goes well then why are they both bugling like that i mean they were just bugling 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 i said because both these bulls are trying to let other elk know especially cows in the area they're trying to draw them up to them and they'll even try to draw each other's cows to represent dominance and strength. And so these bulls were not warning each other. They weren't trying to fight. I mean, they were literally, you know, hundreds and hundreds of yards away and probably over a quarter of a mile away as the crow flies. And one's down one draw, one's on the other side. I said they're happy with what they have, but they're trying to draw any loose cows that may be around and they're they're basically advertising their position is all they were doing they're building their harems from there and they're basically saying choose me what other cows are down there other guys saying nope choose me i mean that's what they do they're just sitting there this was not a threatening challenging situation they were merely advertising their position and trying to draw any other cows up there so when they bugle like that at that distance that much that's exactly what they're doing two bulls have their own cows and so anyway, I was explaining to him, and so we're going up the hill, and we get probably this one bull is just bugling away with this other guy. So, you know, why do you call? You don't need to call. Just slipping, slipping, slipping. It was just a long haul. It took us 45 minutes to get to him, and we got now, I'm going to say we're 100 yards away, and my son, he stops and turns. And I'm thinking this the whole time. He says, Dad, listen for the growl. He goes, oh, he goes it's kind of dry. It's kind of noisy, but listen for that growl. And I said, yeah. I said, I was thinking the same thing. And Clayton goes, what do you mean? What are you, what are you talking about? What do you mean listen for a growl? And so we kind of quickly explained to him that if a bull hears us, 
and he'll growl. He'll want to know what we are. And he said the same thing. What? I said, yeah. And he goes, my dad and I have heard that before. We had no idea that was what was going on. I said, yeah. So, I mean, we didn't even go, I bet you, 20 yards. Nothing. And he gave us that sound right there. That, that growl, do it again. Kind of give that little bit of a, I mean, some, and some of them are deeper than others, but it's just a really short, low key. And that's what he did. And, and, and I, as soon as I heard it, Clayton and Paul are standing right there and I had already killed the bull. So those two were there and I pushed them up. I said, get up to about 15 yards. Hurry up, hurry up. And so they run up to the hill. And about that time, I look right up above me about 40 yards away and I see the whole rack. He's a six point bull. And so now I'm just, I'm starting to cow con. I'm rustling the brush a little bit. And I'm literally crawling and staying low in this brush. He can't see me, but he can see the brush moving. And I cow call again. And now he chuckles me, which you know what that is. So he chuckles me immediately. And so I start moving alongside the heel, not really closing the distance, just moving along that brushy patch of stuff, which was probably, oh my gosh, that brush had to be six, seven feet tall. And I'm moving through it. I see Paul and Clayton getting up there, getting closer. And they're kind of looking at each other like, who's going to take the shot? Clayton is trying to get a shot. I could see him. And he was kind of, I guess they mimic back and forth what was going on. But before anything went on for very long, I mean, we're talking seconds here. All of a sudden, I see Paul anchor, draw, draw anchor, fire, and he kills that bull right there. And it hit from Paul, it was probably a 25-yard shot. But just showing you how understanding that sound, if we would have not known what was going on with that sound and never said anything, nine times out of ten, that bull would have been gone. And he ended up having five cows up there. And he was one of them bulls that once we killed that bull— those cows, have you ever seen it once you get a bull down? Sometimes there's those times when cows won't leave. I mean, we had to literally throw rocks at them. They, <laughs> they, would, they stood there by the bull. And we're like, shh, shh, get out of here, get out of here. And they would not leave. I mean, we literally had to get over there and push them out. It was almost like they were being going to be defensive toward us if we kept getting too close to that bull. You ever see them do that? No, I never have. Oh, yeah. There's times, as a matter of fact, that one bull I killed where I, I, I cow called and ran up there. Three of the cows were standing next to that bull. They would not leave that bull. I literally was throwing sticks at them to get them away from the bull. I had to get them to run off. So, yeah, if you ever have a partner with you and he's willing to shoot a cow and you kill a bull, man, be aware of that. You never know when you slip up there and those those cows are standing right there and double up. You know, I mean, you <laughs> they just, just never they just love that big herd bull, huh? They don't want to leave him. I mean, they don't know why he's laying down there ground i mean you know there's people here come on get out of here <laughs> you know I mean, that's the way we're thinking it but not the elk but Man, anyway Paul, I mean, you, i'm not so i'm not gonna sound. i'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight that is uh <laughs> no kidding. it's like we have to wait we have to wait another uh 14 days for this <laughs> yeah. to begin my testosterone's I'm, going through the roof right now yeah no, i'm no, just no, like you understand I'm, what i mean how important it is to understand elk sounds yeah you know when you start saying, okay, there's this and this and this, and then you start thinking back of all the situations you might have been in over the years of like, God, I think I could have had a lot more chances, I think, on these elk if I'd have just known this and this and this. And and that's why we have, you know, the DVDs and the CDs out, and we try to explain all this stuff in it of how we're taking this elk, these elk, and then we came out with a new app you know which has been about a month ago maybe five weeks and this app has a ton of this in it and we have 10 sounds on it right now and five more are going on a tuesday and what's what's interesting is we're doing this uh, podcast today and we just finished my son and i we did three five minute video clips of one's a blind call calling setup 
One's the advertising sequence and one's the breeding sequence. And <laughs> these are all five minute videos that are going on this app. And we are in the in the in the mountains and we are actually at the areas of these three different ones, three different places here where we've killed bulls. So we show people this is the exact kind of setup that we're looking for. You see how dense it is, and we're showing with the camera that this is we can only see 40 yards. You see where this one trail is coming down to a water hole. We killed a six-point bull right here. We were right in this setup. And here's a calling sequence. So I show the calling sequence, and I'm doing all the calling. I show a blind cold calling that's more than likely to bring cows and spikes in. I show the advertising, which is more bull-oriented. Then I show the breeding sequence. And when we use it with the bull being harassed by cow or, or by other satellites and how we set up and the exact calling sequence I go through with the raking, everything. And so, and then it'll have written content under underneath each one of those because you can only do so much in five minutes you know yeah. of, of additional uh situations you may use these in and i tell you that app is just going to be incredible so we're slowly adding all these things tell so, tell those, us uh tell us where we can find this app how we can purchase it how much it costs how how do we get to it sure sure no problem the app is it, it can be found in two places you can either go straight to elknet.com you know where we have our bugles and cds and dvds and stuff and right there uh, you'll see uh one part of uh, the headings it'll say bugles cds dvds packages well one of those headings will say elknet app if you click on that it takes you straight to whether you have an android or whether you have an apple phone you can click on it so you pick the right one and it has a written commentary of what it's about and and who we are and what our experience has been with elk hunting and, and things of that nature. There's a write-up there. But when you click on which phone you have, that takes you straight to the App Store to pick it up. So you can now go straight to the App Store from that link. And the app is $4.99. It'll be the best $4.99 anybody's <laughs> ever spent in their life. I'm not kidding you because yeah, there are no so kidding. many years of experience. And everything we've talked about is on that app. Yeah, and, and more. And, I, and I've got the uh, the playbook that you put out, uh, what, maybe seven years ago? Right, it was six, seven and, years ago. Yeah, and it's basically, you know, just a little book you could take along with you. But this app seems like it's, like, you know, so much more than just the playbook. And I have the Worser Than Wolves. I have all your DVDs, and I have all the bugles that you make. Uh, I have the original, I have the second generation, I have the third generation. You guys, uh, you're definitely going to get your hands on this stuff. Um, Paul makes uh, an amazing bugle tube uh, to run with your um, your reed calls, and then you make an uh, external uh, mm -hmm. reed bugle tube also, don't you, Paul? Yeah, and that one's called the, the Chuckler XTR. And the nice thing about that one is if a person doesn't know how to bugle with the mouth reads or can use them at this point in time. Uh, this bugle, you can learn within one or two minutes of, of how to do some bugles and some challenges with it, some chuckling with it if you so desire. And the mouthpiece will come out. Uh, so yeah. if in the future you want to learn mouth reads, it, it, it'll have the combination where you can use either or with it. And if you're struggling to, to use a mouth read, Paul's mm -hmm. got a DVD that teaches you how to use mouth reads. Yes, Mastering Elk Calls. And right. it, it, it's uh, very, very detailed. And even the app, 
I have a five minute uh, part, part on the app of a video and that video shows you how to choose the right mouth read for yourself because mouth reads come in different sizes, different latex thicknesses. And so I show you how to choose one for your experience level and for the size of your palate. Then there's a second DVD under it another five or six minute dvd that i go kind of briefly through it and i show you how to make every single sound that an elk will make with that one real briefly and the tongue placement the reed placement exactly where you place it to make a lip ball a challenge all the cow sounds contact buzz so all that's on the front of that app in a in a in a, in a visual aid on a video and all the sounds that you're going to see under it cows and bulls I show you in a, in a one and a half minute clip, roughly every single sound. If you push location bugle, if you push uh, lip ball, contact buzz, creative cow calling, whatever it is, nervous grunt. I show you how to make that sound. I don't explain what it means. I just show you how exactly once again, in, in case you could just go to that sound and don't watch the other clips and you just want to know how to do the nervous grunt, exactly how am I doing it with my tongue, snapping off and on in the placement lip ball, everything. I show you how I'm doing it through the bugle, how you purse your lips to get that. You know, that's how you start a lip ball. And I show you exactly how to do it. Then use it through the reed and rattle it with your tongue. So every single sound I show you on a clip, how to make it. And then I make the sound and another link, you click elk nut making the contact buzz or the location bugle or a challenge bugle or grunts or chuckles, whatever. And then the real elk, Real elk making the sound or elk nut making the sound. And so yeah. you can hear them both, both features. All this is on the app. And then all the written content under it. What a bull is saying when he's making a chuckle, using a chuckle, a grunt, a lip ball, a challenge, a nervous grunt. I give you all the content of what he, the definition and the message being sent and what to do next as a hunter when these things are taking place. How to use them against the elk. And so, I mean, there's so much content so, on this uh, app and it's going to be growing. So the sounds by the elk is similar to like the CD I have from you that that's got the real sounds from the elk and you're breaking it down and that's on the app. Yes, it, it, but the difference between that is, you know, the app is awesome. Don't get me wrong. It has so much stuff. And once you download it, it's on your phone. You do not need phone service to use it in the woods. So, I mean, if you're in a situation there and you're hearing a bugle and you're not sure what it is, you could actually open that app up. And listen to the bull sound. Is it this one? Nope. Push the stop button. It stops it instantly. <laughs> this one? Nope. Push the stop button. This one? Nope. That's it right there. So now you can go, it's this bugle. That's what he's doing right now. And then you can read the message underneath. This is what this bull is saying. Whether he's asking, warning, intimidating. Here's what he's wanting. Here's what you do next. Here's your options. If you're in this scenario, this one or this one, here's how, how to handle it. And so I show you, and I the whole thing's in right. I mean, there's a lot of information on it. So, I mean, there's so many aspects to this app that that, it, that It's like having helpful. you with us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you know, it's just right there. And so I don't, people I don't have the like, app yet, but sounds by the elk CD. There was like these growls that you were talking about. So awesome. And, and when I heard that, I was like, Oh, it's, it's not Bigfoot. It's <laughs> that, that an elk makes this sound and an elk makes that sound. And it oh, was really, I see. you weren't sure it was an elk. Maybe you had heard before you heard the sound. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. See, and then another thing about, uh, I wanted to touch on uh, on your DVD teaching people to use the mouth reads. Is I was struggling back seven eight years ago, and you and I got this DVD from you, and you made a suggestion. Even though I'm 
I've got, I would say, you know, I don't, I don't seem to have a narrow palate, mm-hmm. but, but, but I do. And I ended up uh, trying all these different reads. And I think guys need to really try a lot of different calls to find the right one. But it came down to taking scissors and trimming about a, a little, maybe just a 16th of an inch is all it takes. I, I take scissors to every call. And I trim off just a little bit of tape to get that perfect fit. And uh, that made all the difference of having that gag feeling and having that that call seat up in the roof of my mouth just perfect. And you made that uh, recommendation on one of those. And I tried that, and it's what I do with all my calls. I I trim them just, just about a 16th, and that was the difference. And, you know, just those little suggestions that you make to guys can help make that perfect fit and get you uh, into the game. Yeah. Whatever it takes to get comfortable with your read. And, and, and that's the only way you're going to be confident with it. When you know, you're starting to make sounds that you feel are believable and, and that's where you grow. And then once you start having a few call ins, that's where your confidence grows as well. Knowing this can actually happen. This can work. And of course, you know, guys need to realize, you know, we're not calling every single elk in. There's times when we're moving in silent, we're stalking them, but there's so many times when a spot and stock can turn into a call in, you know, it it really does right at the very end. So you just want to be prepared mentally and be able to adapt or adjust to an encounter as you see fit. And if you don't sound good and you don't practice and you don't feel your calling is any good, there's a really good chance you'll be intimidated when when dealt with it face to face when it's really needed to seal the deal. It really is. And you know it is, but you know you don't feel good about being able to call on demand and you may make some re- you know really weird sound at first and you're afraid you're going to spook everything off. So it's really worth your while to be able to practice now and to get really comfortable and to stay with a single read, you know, call as you practice because they're the most user friendly. But, you know, once guys start realizing how powerful a call is, even all the elk we take, I would say without a question of a doubt that 95% of those elk are taken through calling, not spot and stock. You know, it may, like I say, it may start that. Some of them may start in the, you know, uh, an hour before daylight and we're locating them with the location bugle. See, that's already a call was used to find them. To me, that a call was necessary. Otherwise, I'd have never heard them. And, and, and maybe you can slip in silent and take that bull. But it was a call that initiated it. And, and, and in most cases, we find, though, that calling is needed. And maybe even for you guys, too. It, it seems like somewhere in there, it's very, very necessary. If you don't need it, fine. That's great. But I'll tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of times you will just from our own experience. Yeah, you want well, to have it with you. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I hope this uh, helps all our listeners uh, get in close and call some uh, bulls and cows and spikes and just anything <laughs> in and, and get, get some right. good, cl- good close shots. And we really appreciate you taking all the time to uh, break all this down for us. And we'd really love to get you back on after the season and hear about your son and yours uh, ventures in the woods with your stick bows uh, out there and, calling and, and these yours. elk and close. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 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 So Yeah, so, sounds great. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on with us, Paul. Hey, no problem at all. It was a pleasure to be able to talk elk with you guys. It really was. I, and I enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. 
Yeah, and we'll stay in touch, and um, we're going to do some kind of promotional giveaway and get some uh, Elk Nut gear out to you guys. Yeah, that so sounds we, good. We will, uh, we'll get that arranged, and we will make that announcement uh, when we release this podcast. Thanks for joining us. That was a super awesome discussion with Paul Medell, the Elk Nut. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn. Check us out on our website, tradquest.com. Good luck to everybody out there. Opening day is just days away for us here in Oregon. When this airs, it'll be opening morning tomorrow. Good luck, all my brothers and sisters of the bow.